Joining us now on Root of the Matter is Dr. Andrew Muhammad. And uh, Dr. Muhammad, you spoke today to the folks with the grain conference here and talked a little bit about trade. Trade is something that uh, has been on a lot of people's minds over the last couple of years. What are things like on, on the, the trading front, so to speak, right now? So I think the, the first thing is for folks to realize how important international trade is to U.S. agriculture. Right, over 20% of U.S. agricultural production um, is for global markets. Um, in fact, for a commodity like cotton, it's as high as 80%. So issues affecting global markets really do impact our market. And I think as of late, we're facing, particularly in terms of grains, whether it be corn or as well uh, wheat, as well as soybeans, we're facing increasing competition from Brazil in terms of their ramp up in production and they're overtaking us in certain markets as the leading exporter where we once was the leading exporter to many destination markets in the world. But then on the import side or the the, uh, inputs that we import, particularly fertilizer, one of the things we are seeing regardless of our reliance on those imports is that fertilizer prices seem to be turning around and, and obviously how we get products around the world is through global supply chains, and we are seeing some relief as it relates to shipping costs and container rates and the cost of shipping products across the water. So I know that that had been a a, a conversation that we've kind of kept our eye on as far as Brazil overtaking us with with production and whatnot. When when did that happen? When did Brazil overtake us in in exports? Well, I mean, in in terms of soybeans, that's been fairly recent. And obviously, there's, there's some production issues in Brazil as they could have double and triple cropping systems depending on the location in Brazil, as well as just sort of we did have our down period with China due to the trade war. But then as we negotiated the phase one trade deal, we started exporting more again to China, while at the same time, Chinese demand was so high, it started importing more from other places, including Brazil, at a much faster rate, even though Brazil did not have what we had, which was a trade agreement in place. So what does that mean now that they've overtaken us in in exporting? What does that mean for the American farmer? Well, overtaking doesn't necessarily mean we're not exporting. It just simply means they're exporting more than us. And so a lot of that just has to do with the fact is they have increased supplies. But the fact that prices are still high says that at least the capacity on the demand side must be pretty high, particularly in Asian and Chinese markets, such that those foreign markets can absorb that increased production and increased export sales from Brazil without significantly having a negative impact on prices. And so it's not as if U.S. exports have necessarily declined. It's just in terms of the share of the market. We no longer sort of are the dominant player. You mentioned the phase one agreement with China on the on the trade deal. Um, where are we at with, with further negotiations with China um, in regards to ag well, exports? Mean, that, that was only a two-year deal, and I know we often talk about a tr- phase two trade deal, and clearly one of the things that's sort of been the issue as of late, starting with President Trump but continuing with President Biden, is this idea of presidents not wanting to further the initiatives of previous presidents. That wasn't necessarily the case because many of the trade deals that got passed during the Obama administration got initiated during the previous administration. So the fact that the phase one trade deal is sort of a Trump era agreement, you don't really find much talk about extending that under this current administration. So once that two years is over with that that trade deal, I mean, what what, what does that mean? It's actually done. But the good thing is demand in China is still so strong. All right. Uh, one, One of the things we're looking at is, say, take beef markets, for example, 
uh, China has emerged from a negligent importer of beef, period, to one of our leading destination markets, even possibly second to South Korea, but certainly at least third to South Korea and Japan, two leading markets for U.S. beef, right over a billion dollars, which is a huge market in terms of U.S. beef imports. But then if you look at everything from the Chinese perspective, the import in nearly eight to seven million billion dollars in Brazilian beef. And so that market overall has been growing quite a bit just due to changing economy issues, growing middle class and all other factors affecting that market. And so the point is that um, we really are just simply seeing increased export sales for the United States, but that seems to be due to overall global demand increasing. Fertilizer is something that has just been crazy to see the price of it. Of course, the the war in Ukraine with with Russia has definitely been a big driver of that. But even fertilizer from China, I believe that 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 has has increased as well. What what, what does the price of fertilizer look like now? See, well, I couldn't give you the exact price, but I could certainly sort of say what's happened to prices. And so we're so reliant on imports in this country, importing about nine to ten billion dollars a year. We've at least seen in the last couple of months, maybe a 10, 20 percent decline um, in, in fertilizer import prices as well as just sort of global fertilizer prices overall. Now one thing I will say though to take a much longer view Fertilizer prices were actually higher during the ethanol boom around that period of 2007 and 8 when commodity prices are high, were high. And here's the point what we often find is is a strong correlation between commodity prices, particularly soybeans, corn, wheat, the basic bulk commodities, and fertilizer prices. There is a strong correlation. I guess the unfortunate thing would be for just sort of the direction of the fall if commodity prices fell more so even before fertilizer prices. But the point is, as long as we have these high commodity prices, we will have relatively high fertilizer prices, but we are seeing some declines. As far as commodity prices are concerned, I mean, do, do you see them staying at the high level that they're at right now? Well, that's going to depend, right? And so much of that has to do with um, sort of production issues moving forward, right? Expectations about supplies in foreign countries as well as the United States, drought conditions, rain conditions, weather conditions, planning conditions. And so, um, but what we do know is, say, sort of some of the fundamentals that have driven prices up as of late. I mean, clearly we have some issues with Russia invading Ukraine, and that's sort of going to clearly affect corn and wheat prices. And so there are factors that would say that prices would be sustained at least for the next year or certainly the next couple of months. Now, mind you, one of the things that will really sort of cause prices to fall is if these high prices sort of lead to increased investment. But the problem there is we do have sort of high input costs. So these high prices aren't necessarily leading to sort of more profitable production seasons, right? And so in that sense, um, one could imagine prices clearly sort of being a little bit higher or staying as high as they are, not sort of falling to prices from a previous uh, two or three years ago. But like all sort of smart individuals, I'll say I don't have a crystal ball and can't really say and wouldn't really want to sort of say exactly what prices would possibly do. So I guess big picture, uh, things have have definitely maybe leveled off a little bit in, in regards to inflation, input costs yeah. and that sort of thing, but still 
not where we would want it to be from an oh, ideal no, perspective, no, right? Not at all. And, and diesel fuel prices are still pretty high. And so overall input costs have gone down a little, right? And, and But at least the thing that I'm looking at is just sort of the direction, right? Is this the beginning of a complete fall? But when you get to say something like shipping costs, that's completely rebounded to the sort of levels we've seen prior to 2021. And so there, but mind you, that's not a cost of production, but it's a, certainly a cost of getting goods across waters, uh, across the water. And so in that, we've seen some full recoveries in terms of prices falling 70%, 80% back to sort of original levels. Will we see that moving forward with fertilizer? This could be the beginning of that, but right now it's a little too hard to tell. I know we've mentioned China, we've mentioned uh, Ukraine, and in that part of the world of, of kind of the, the two big places where we get fertilizer. Are there any other places in the world to turn to to, to yeah, get no, fertilizer? No, we get a lot of fertilizer from Canada. In fact, it just depends on the type of fertilizer. And in certain types of fertilizer, we are self-sufficient. So I think in phosphate, I'm almost sure that, that we don't import quite that much. Potassium fertilizer, a lot of it is coming from Canada. We do import some ammonia and some urea. Obviously, we produce some urea. Um, and so the point there is it, we weren't solely relying on the Russian market. It just so happens that Russia and all these other countries are clearly interconnected. And so when you have issues in one country, it clearly drives up global prices in other markets as well. Any other final thoughts or anything else you'd like to say about any of this? No, I think the main thing I'd like to say is just sort of thinking about things moving forward. There's just a few things I would say. We do at least see some relief as it relates to global supply chains and the shipping of commodities across the world. Clearly, fertilizer markets may be recovering in terms of prices falling to sort of levels we've seen sort of two or three years ago, while at the same time, commodity prices may follow or might lead that. But the one thing I will say is that all of the markets are globally interconnected, and what's taking place is not a U.S. phenomenon. So it's hard to think about the U.S. solely fixing it through its own policies. Well, Dr. Andrew Muhammad, thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you. Thank you.